Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And Isaac from Resolute Man, together pursuing the mission to impact 10 million families and their legacies for the kingdom of God. We've been married for 23 years and are seeing the fruit from raising our nine children biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children as too many from Christian families are walking away from their faith by the age 18. And it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. We're praising the Lord that the ministry continues to expand and impact more legacies. We couldn't do this without you, whether you pray for us, give us five-star reviews, or share on social. Or even if you purchase courses and merch or join the Be Courageous app community, enjoy the coffee or support financially. We're so thankful you are a big part of the 10 Million Legacies movement. If you want access to all the episodes, show notes, and other biblically-based resources, go to BeCourageousMinistry.org. Join us as we start another important conversation about effective parenting in the following world. Hey, welcome, everybody. Hey guys. This is another episode where we're, our attempt is to give you the absolute best wisdom we possibly can, biblically based. That's what the Courageous Parenting Podcast is all about. We're so thankful for everybody listening. That's right. So last week we did an awesome podcast episode where we focused on parenting kids 8 to 12 years old. And today we are going to do kind of a continuation, but it's also a standalone podcast where we're going to talk about three really important aspects of parenting kids this age. And it's such an important thing because this age, see the season of parenting when kids are 8 to 12 years old Mm -hmm. is literally right before they go into their teenage years. Mm -hmm. And you have to have that amazing relationship with them where they feel comfortable talking to you about anything. And so that, so we have three points for you. We're going to talk about communication, some dynamics around that. We're going to talk Mm -hmm. about discipleship and give you some Mm -hmm. practical information. And we're going to talk about really how to equip your children to stand firm and be ready for, you know, being a little bit older and around peer influences and maybe a little, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they're off on their own more because they're getting older and these kinds of things, how to stand up for themselves and for, for God and what's righteous. So anyways, uh, we so appreciate being part of the 10 million legacies movement. Um, BeCourageousMinistry.org, all resources. You can get to the podcast blog with show resources and all the scriptures and everything at CourageousParenting.com. That's also where you can find out information about the parenting mentor program as well. Um, And we we invite you to join that. That is so important. We believe mm-hmm. it's essential for all Christian intentional parents uh, to go through that. And you always have access, forever access mm-hmm. and so forth. So also the Be Courageous app with some exciting things going on in there. Yeah. I mean, one of the fun things that I've been able to do is connect with the moms in the Courageous Mom group that's in the app. It's a group just for women. So when you join the Be Courageous app, we get you in that Courageous Mom group. <laughs> and we are going through a series that we are calling The Heart of the Home right now. And it's been, we had our first week that was all about setting tone. Um, This week, we're going to be talking about where our heart is at. You know, what's what's cool about it is it's just moms, Christian moms, and big techs Mm -hmm. not looking in. And it's just, there's freedom in that. And I know people are asking you questions and asking each other questions, helping each other. Yeah, we did a Q&A at the end. That's so cool. So, you know, originally the live was just going to be like 15, 20 minutes. And then it ended up being like 45 minutes last week because of the Q&A time. And so this week we're talking about love being in your home more. And I think that we can all use that encouragement. I know I can. Yeah. So join the Be Courageous app. Even if you're just trying it out, it's free for the Mm -hmm. first seven days in your app store. Be courageous. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's dive in to communication. Okay. So we're talking about, you know, 
kids eight to 12 years old in this podcast. We're going to talk about communication relationships. But before we do that, I just wanted to give a little bit of perspective. In the Parenting Mentor Program, we talk about launching kids, courageous kids for an uncertain world. That's kind of our tagline, right? Equipping courageous kids for an uncertain world. Um, You know, how do we as parents take note of how many years we have with our kids and how do we manage our days in a way where we're being intentional parents, purposefully equipping our kids so that they're ready to launch from our homes ready, as ready as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what we all really desire. So now let's take it back to those middle years or pre-adolescent years, um, as some call it, and realize that we have a certain amount of years with them where they're this age, Mm -hmm. and that really prepares them for the years when they're teenagers, So when we look at our relationships and our communication and teaching our kids communication, recognizing that this is the the time that sets the stage, if you will. This is the equipping stage Mm -hmm. for the next stage of their life, which is the teen years. So I actually did a little bit of math because I love math and I just love knowing numbers and it gives me perspective. And did you know that there are 1,465 days of the pre-adolescent years, Hmm. eight to 12 years old. So you have 1,465 days to prepare your kids for the 2,555 days of the teenage years. That puts in perspective. Pretty important. I love the intensity of that. You know, (laughs) you're not going to, you're not going to listen to Courageous Parenting Podcast and not get some intensity. So I'm just, it's just the way it is. And this is kind of, we're just being Mm -hmm. ourselves a hundred percent of the time. Um, what you see is who we are Mm -hmm. and people validate that in our lives all the time that listen to the podcast also. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that, uh, it's important, you know, to build that communication with your kids, that communication, what is communication? Well, it's, it's communicating words, but it's also the nonverbal communication. It's also the silent expectations is Mm -hmm. communication too. Mm -hmm. And are they living, are they, are they living up to expectations just because they want to please you or because they love God? You know, this mm-hmm. is the age where mm-hmm. they're cultivating their own deeper relationship with the Lord, we hope, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the hope. And so we want to point them to Christ, but also we mm-hmm. are those people in their lives that are there to catch mm-hmm. their doubt, to catch their insecurities, their fears. To get them. To yeah. ask questions and, and then to catch as them, notice things, so yeah. that we can communicate biblical truth about them, so yeah. that we can be encouragers, so we can fan their flames, mm-hmm. so we can mm-hmm. make them feel comfortable talking to us about those things. Mm-hmm. The question is: Are your children comfortable talking to you about their sin? I don't think anybody's comfortable talking about their sin, so mm-hmm. they probably aren't. I yeah. mean, no kids are naturally comfortable talking about that. So we have to Most adults build the confess, kind of yeah. relationship with them. And I think first it's humility mm-hmm. on the parent's side mm-hmm. opens up great communication of talking about your failures, mm-hmm. your mistakes, mm-hmm. and how God has redeemed that and and come through and how that's why we need Jesus, because we do sin. And so mm-hmm. you're going to wrestle with things sometimes. You're going to have some hiccups along the road. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to know when you confess those things to me, it enables me to know what to pray for. It enables mm-hmm. me to know how to help you. 
Uh, Yeah. And I think that kids this age, eight to 12, they're just coming out of those like early years, the first eight years, right? Where your, your uh, style of parenting is going to transition slightly, just like it transitions again when you're going into the teenage years, right? And so the kids are just coming out of those first eight years where when they sin, parents see the sin because it's like usually very um, outward. They're lacking emotional self-control or they're outward with their sin. It's like a visible thing. You see the little toddler hit the other kid, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they, it's very obvious. And so then there's correction of sin. There's discipline that takes place. Um, and of course, there's heart conversations, but they get longer conversations. They're able to go deeper as the kid gets older and understands more. That just makes logical sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like obviously you're going to have a deeper conversation with your teenager than you are with your two-year-old. And so um, recognizing that the, these kids though, age eight-ish, you know, it's not necessarily like the minute they turn eight, you know, it could be seven or, you know, but the point is, is they're coming out of that age grouping, that category of kids that are are smaller and their sin is more um, outward in appearance where there starts to be, um, and I'm not saying there aren't heart issues when they're little, there are, it's just harder to really detect them and have those deep conversations with the three-year-old that's, you know, talking and and things like that. But with the eight-year-old, you're starting to shift in your, and transition in your parenting with your communication style, right? Because you want your kids to be searching their own heart and sharing with you the things that are deeper within them that maybe aren't so outward as they were when they were little. Like you may see that the eight-year-old or the nine-year-old mad at their younger sibling for breaking something, but not know that there's like real animosity in their heart towards their sibling because of a reoccurrence that's happening and them feeling like they're communicating with that kid and that kid isn't respecting their things or whatever, right? They start to start noticing, oh, I don't have respect from my sibling or they annoy me in this way or, you know, there's just a different, there's a maturity that's happening with your kids. And so because of that, as parents, we need to acknowledge that growth in our kids, that maturity, and and be able to have better conversations in the way we communicate with our kids. You're growing a deeper friendship with them. You're always mm-hmm. still the parent, um, but you are de- developing a deeper friendship in the way that you're growing and mm-hmm. becoming their coach yes. versus the micromanaging parent that mm-hmm. prevents everything and catches everything like you were talking right, about. Right, keeping it safe and secure. You're so they to need let to experience make making yeah. their own decisions. They're mm-hmm. going to go out without you sometimes potentially in these years, right? And yep. they come back and the question is, do they tell you all the things that happened or is it just rosy? Oh, they only tell you the positive things and things mm-hmm. like that. That's a sign. If they come back after being somewhere doing things and they only share good things 100% of the time, and then you know for sure they're not mm-hmm. sharing maybe the challenges or the the situation mm-hmm. they had to deal with with a peer or mm-hmm. you know what the peer was talking about that was off the rails and mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And if you don't have that going on, that open communication, then you're not able to coach mm-hmm. them on situational leadership. Mm-hmm. They if they're going to influence and stand firm in those situations, that's leadership. Leadership is just influence, okay? And they're not going to feel confident in leading if they don't have a coach coaching them in those situations. Mm-hmm. So you're becoming the coach. So in these years, you're you're nourishing that going into the teenage years where you need to start becoming more of a coach. The problem is most 
in most families, there's so much immaturity and lack of spiritual depth Mm -hmm. in teenagers because of failing to do this, Mm -hmm. that they still feel like they have to micromanage and constantly reprimand and find out what's going on because they're not just getting the intel. And so then kids, Mm -hmm. the teenagers instead of being treated as starting to become young adults, they're treated as kids still. And then when they're 18, they've still been treated a lot Mm -hmm. like kids in the way the parents are working with them and they're lacking that maturity in the spiritual side. And then they go launch. And then what are they launching into? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I want to have, I have a, you know, a thought that I want to share with parents who are maybe having kids that are eight to 12 or teenagers for the first time, right? Like it's your firstborn child. Now, as parents, regardless of if it's your firstborn child or not, you're always growing. But for those of you who have a kid that's going into this season for the first time, and each year, each day, I feel like with your first, you're learning more Mm -hmm. and more and more. But that's the point is that not only are we training our children, we're also training ourselves. And so you need to recognize that as a, a parent, you have trained yourself to be a certain type of parent for the first seven, eight years with this kid. And so you're going to have to actually grow. You're going to have to purposefully try to um, grow your relationship. And and I'm just going to say the C word, it's change. Mm. Change some things about how you communicate with them. Change and grow your, yourself spiritually to where you're trusting God more with your child to allow them to go do the things alone if they, you know, without mm. mom and dad hovering over and different things like that. And, and I, I, you know, obviously we're not talking about any particular situation because I think that, you know, everyone lives in different neighborhoods. Everyone has different, um, friend groups. There's different situations for everybody. And so to make a blanket statement, like at this age, they should be able to bike ride by themselves. That would be irresponsible for us to say, actually. Mm -hmm. I think you need to be discerning as a parent. What is your neighborhood like? What are, you know, what is your child like? Are they going to, have they been equipped to know who safe people are and aren't? Um, You know, there's so many aspects to this. Now, I'm I'm bringing this up because trusting God with your kids Mm -hmm. is something you're going to have to continue to grow in more and more and more as your kids get older. When you launch your kids from your home, you don't stop being a parent. When you launch your kids from your home, when your kids get married, when your kids are older and out of the house, you don't stop having moments where you're tempted to worry about them. But those are all opportunities for us as parents to grow in trusting God with our kids more and grow in our prayer life, really. Mm -hmm. And so I, I bring that up because I think that this is really the age where you need to start as as a mom, as a dad, pursuing that kind of spiritual growth. Because if you don't start now, you're not going to be ready to fully let your kids grow how and can be you, independent. How can you coach and have that kind of relationship with someone that's just really immature and constantly making the wrong decisions on yeah. purpose, deliberately? Yes. And so that's what you see. You know, Oh, wait for the teenage years, everybody told us. And we're like, no, we're going to love the teenage years. And yeah. we really... We're from the beginning, early on, when we started hearing those comments, as we'd have four and five kids, and people are like, "Whoa, wait until wait until they're all teenagers." We're like, "No, we're not going to believe that lie. We're not going to let that lie discourage us Mm -hmm. from having more kids if that's what God wants to do, if Mm -hmm. that's what we decide to do." Mm -hmm. And you know what? 
so we kept going, but we came, okay, how do we make sure we love the teenagers? And we honestly have. Doesn't mean there aren't issues. Doesn't the human mean beings are involved. Yeah. There's issues. There's no perfect church. There's humans there, right? right? There's no perfect family. There's humans there. So there's always going to be issues. But if you can ramp up a maturity in a love for God, which of course, salvation is only what God can do, but you disciple and you point them there. You can mm-hmm. do, you have so much influence. So using that influence is key. The other thing on communication is I think a lot of people are like, okay, I get it. We're supposed to communicate deeply with our children. But when I ask a question, the children don't, they just give me a simple response or they don't give me the details or Mm -hmm. how did it go? You only hear the good things. You're not getting that. And you might be frustrated Mm -hmm. uh, with that experience. And I would say that it starts with you. Mm-hmm. We all have communication rhythms with each other, especially in families. Um, familiarity breeds contempt, right? So the more familiar people are with each other, mm-hmm. the more um, you can develop these ruts in the road of your communication mm-hmm. that are hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. And until one person changes, nothing will change. And so as the parent, we have to be the one that changes our communication to get our relationship, our communication out of the rut and onto the road of fruitfulness. And how do you do that? Well, you you change something, first of all. So, <laughs> so change anything, okay? Yeah. Like maybe how you ask the question. First of all, never ask a question where someone can say yes or no to it if you want a deeper response. Think about the questions. Next time you ask a question, is it something someone can say yes or no to? Or is it more specific where they have to give an answer that is also specific and more detailed? So that's a first tip for you that's really important. The second tip is to go three questions deep. Mm -hmm. Ask the same thing in the same direction, but three different ways in a gradual process that goes deeper. Because the first time you ask a question, how's your day? What do you respond to someone that asks you that? Oh, it's good. And usually it'll be a very surface level answer because you're not sure if they actually wanted to ask you that. It might just be chit chat. So you answer it very surfacely. But then they, if they go in, mm-hmm. oh, what happened with that during your day? Because maybe you mentioned something and they go. And then now what do you register? Oh, they're they're serious. They're actually stopping what they're doing. They're stopping their busyness and they're more interested. Okay, I'm going to tell them more. And then that third time you ask a question about it, it's like, whoa, they really want to have a deep conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And you go more into it. And I think our kids sometimes don't get that from us all the time because we are busy. We have things. We have our agenda and so forth. So and I would say need to be more purposeful. We need to be more purposeful and slow down. And are we developing a rhythm of communication mm-hmm. with our children where it elicits a surface level, non-deep, uh, old rosy uh, answer? And that might be your doing, actually, mm-hmm. and what you've cultivated with them. So you have to have a positive disruption in your communication methodology to create something different. Mm-hmm. And if you want more, de- we don't have time for this right now, but if you want more details on that, I wrote up a three-page, very practical with three concise examples uh, document, PDF download that's now free on our websites at CourageousParenting.com or if you subscribe at BeCourageousMinistry.org. Only subscribe one place. But um, And if you already subscribed, check your email because we sent it like yesterday, I think. Awesome. And it's called? Oh, Go Heart Deep. Very simple. Go heart deep. So as we're talking about communication and relationships with these 8 to 12-year-olds, I think that, you know, this is the time where you really start developing a, a, a new aspect of your relationship. When your kids are little, your mom, your dad, 
there's there's not so much friendship relationship happening, although it is good to develop a friendship with your kids. There's more of a mommy daddy. We're leading the way. We're protecting you. We're providing for you. We're taking care of you. That is the the maintenance mode of with babies and toddlers and littles. Okay. And when you get kids that are from ages 8 to 12, that's where you start. There's a transition in parenting where that doesn't go away. You're still providing. You're still protecting. You're still creating a safe space for your kids. You're still teaching your children, right? Like, And you're still disciplining. You're still – all of what I just described is happening. But there's a new aspect of your relationship that really needs to be purposefully cultivated, which is friendship, where you're, you're – they're capable physically and mentally for doing bigger kid things. They just are. And so providing them opportunities to try new things, inviting them to participate in some of the things that you're also doing. Like I remember when the kids were little, even when they were four, you would still have Austin come to work with you and Kelsey come to work with you when they were little. But the amount of time that they could spend at work with dad was a lot less than yeah. when they were eight to 12 years old. You I would go to work. I love that age. They could come with me all day, get yeah. their work done. It was totally We'd different. We'd have lunch together. Even if I was meeting with someone else for lunch, they would mm-hmm. join in. Yeah. So do you see the difference? It's not that you're not doing those things with their kids when they're little. You can, and we did, but- it was a shorter duration of time that the kid could actually had a bandwidth to be at work with dad. And this is a point too. At that time, I remember a realization back then of quality time versus quantity time. And we've talked about this before, but that's when I realized it when our oldest now were in there in this eight to 12 years. Mm -hmm. And some, I read in a book somewhere or somebody told me, but quality time can be good, like quality, like it's really quality. You're very intentional. You're mm-hmm. focused on them. And Taking them out on a date or and something. And that's good. Yes. Yeah. But it's not always good for over time opening up that communication. Right. Because Bec- then they feel like they have to wait. And it's just event based. Like yeah. we're doing this quality time doing this thing and then that thing. And they're so looking forward to doing it with you mm-hmm. that sometimes that community, there's not enough time for that. And what, what gets missed is those opportunities come up when there's time elongated. Another way of saying quantity time, Uh, which is when (laughs) they share something, when they ask that question, like you could spend three hours with your kids, one kid, and there's there's no deepness happening or anything like that. Just stay the course. Keep working. They're working over here. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can't work together. You do something else. You go hunting, whatever the thing is where that's more quantity. And all of a sudden, boop, question pops up. Mm -hmm. You're like, it's there. But if you're not looking for it, You'll just give mm-hmm. a surface level answer and get back to your work. Mm-hmm. And I think so times I miss these sometimes. It's like there was the golden opportunity to open up a new kind of communication with my kid that forever more into the mm-hmm. future creates a deeper relationship with them. If I seize the moment, Isaac, seize the moment, stop what you're doing, listen, answer, and then go off and mm-hmm. a little deeper on it. Mm-hmm. And then do you have more questions about it? And really move in that direction. But it might take three hours of spending time together before Mm -hmm. that happens. 
Yeah, and different kids have different personalities, right? So for some kids, it might take that long. Other kids, it could take 20 minutes, Yeah, 10 minutes, maybe two minutes, you get in the car and boom, oh, I'm so excited, dad, and da, 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 you know, like I think that's kind of how Solomon is when we get in the car, he's talk, 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 you know, right away. Yeah. And I love that. But this is, I, we just wanted to encourage you guys that, you know, this is not a time where you can go, oh, the kids eight to 12, they're easy. They're not teenagers yet. And so you can just kind of coast. You can kind of, oh, those are the easy years. That's before they like start liking girls and boys and they, you know, all you think of all those things. But let me just tell you something. Remember a little earlier in today's podcast when I said you have 1,465 days, I think I said, to prepare them for the teenage years. This is also like you're cultivating your relationship with them where there's openness about the teenage years. And so you can't just like rest on your laurels parenting and go, oh man, those first seven years, that was hard. That was the trenches, but we got there. We're good now. No, this is the time where you shift and you start going deeper with your kids, especially spiritually and character wise with them so that you're developing this relationship of discipleship where they are coming to you for spiritual wisdom. You're talking to them and and, and they're, you know, when they're teenagers, that's where you start trying to encourage them. It's the relationship is a two-way road. I wish I would have done that better. The whole two-way road thing, like relationships are a two-way road. It's not just got to be mom pursuing or hanging out with you. It's good for you to also show that you want to spend time with mom and you can ask for that too. And that's one thing that I literally didn't do with the first few kids. And I wish I would have done that more. Um, but I'm sharing that with you now because that's like the, now that's something that has shifted with our other kids where it's like, hey guys, like I'm also a human being and I want to have a friendship with you that's not just me pursuing you. And this is a good thing to teach your kids that because it's good for not just their relationship with their parents, but with other people. If they're the the cool kid that everybody is always wanting to hang out with and they're never pursuing other people, they could later in life be really lonely if they think that it's everyone else's responsibility to be pursuing them. Mm. And so this is the time where we start teaching them how to build relationships, first and foremost, with our relationship with them, their relationship with their siblings as we encourage that. But also we need to teach Mm. them how to pursue relationships, how to be a good friend. You said something I want to say, and we'll go into discipleship in a second, but is... You know, the ages 8 to 12, the statistics are alarming, actually. Um, I think the first time most kids uh, are exposed to pornography is either 8 or 9 years old, most, like a high percentage. Um, This is when they're starting to maybe, you know, touch themselves in inappropriate ways. This is maybe, uh, or struggles with that can start to happen. This is when, um, you know, non-intentional Christian homes, maybe just the normal homes out there, um, you know, you might be thinking, well, this is not my kids, right? Cause I'm protecting them and doing a good job in these things. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the peer influences that are out there that are just not aware of this kind of thing, that mm-hmm. these things are happening earlier and desires, crushes, mm-hmm. all these things are happening yep. in the eight to 12 years. And so really being there mm-hmm. to, uh, you're catching their thing that's happening with them and then helping with wisdom and guiding. But if you're not yeah. able to catch, cause there's not the communication they're mm-hmm. just left to their feelings. Right. They're just left to their immature actions. Their flesh. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I was thinking more and more about just even the the 
opposite gender relationships, for example. And, and it, there is a truth about how girls tend to be a little bit more mature. This isn't, again, not across the board. There are some really mature boys out there. However, generally speaking, girls tend to be about two years-ish more mature than boys um, in regards to when they start, um, like even hormonally, this is a truth. And so, um, you know, it's important that we don't compare our kids to one another, especially if they're different genders and like expect things and then expect that something's wrong with their child if they're not doing the same things that happened with the firstborn and, you know, or just be even shocked. Like if you have a boy first and then that eight-year-old daughter, you have a 10-year-old boy and an eight-year-old daughter, and the boy hasn't really talked to you much about being interested in girls yet or anything of the sort and hasn't really shown any interest, but they're just good buddies. Like they're just good friends, right? Just like they were when they were five or six, but then your eight-year-old starts having crushes and you're not necessarily seeing it because you're like, no, this is too soon. I just have to say this is the danger of comparing boys against girls. And we need to be aware and have our eyes open and be ready to engage each individual child as who they are and what they're going through, what their body is awakening when their body's awakening. Now, we've always been of the opinion of trying to preserve their innocence as long as possible which you can do that as a parent by protecting your kids from watching things that are inappropriate on television, by having boundaries such as don't look at other people's devices, um, being careful about who their peer influences are, being um, really good at protecting their innocence. Those are just some ways. Books even that they read. Some books are just too mature. I remember Anne of Green Gables um, being a popular book that a lot of moms were letting their girls read. Well, our daughter was a couple years younger or a year and a half younger, and I didn't really want to awaken some of that romantic stuff in her at the age that she was at when I knew that she wasn't quite there yet. And so I kind of, I held off on that. And, and of course she grew in more curiosity because her friends were reading that book series and I was saying, no, not yet. And so, you know, as a, a mom, you have to choose what battles you're going to pick, but we get to, as parents, try to preserve their innocence as long as possible. But then there, that doesn't mean that you don't talk about things when it is appropriate. So good. Hey, I wanted just to share, at, you know, when I was just listening to myself and listening to you, it's like there can be anxiety when you start talking mm-hmm. about purity, when you start talking about, you know, what children are being exposed to and potentially exposed to and how to handle these kinds of things. And I want to teach you something. Sometimes, you know, one of the things the ministry is uh, supported by, main thing actually, is we have courses and people buy courses and that money mm-hmm. supports the ministry, enables us to do all this free content and supports mm-hmm. our family and these kinds of things. That's the goal, yeah. right? And um, sometimes people go, well, there's so much free content out there in the world and there's co- free content everywhere. Why would I need to buy a course? Mm-hmm. And I want to teach a fundamental difference. When someone builds a course, at least when we build a course, it's yeah. a curriculum. And there's mm-hmm. a difference between a curriculum and a podcast episode. There's mm-hmm. a difference between a curriculum and somebody's YouTube video. Mm-hmm. A curriculum is a well thought out step by step process taking you through something with the goal of really strong implementation that creates a forever change in what you're doing Mm -hmm. if you implement it. And that's how we approach courses. So the Parenting Mentor Program 
I mean, I was just thinking about it. It talks in depth on this. There's a whole mm-hmm. 60 minute session just on this. And then, mm-hmm. but really, it's not even just about that session. It's how all six of the one hour sessions build upon each other mm-hmm. and all are integrated within each other and mm-hmm. the three lives we do and the ability for people to ask questions around that as they go through it. Well, and and that creates yeah. something that is far more meaningful for real implementation. And that is why, at least, our courses. That's why people buy our courses. And oftentimes when they invest in one course, they end up investing in all of them over time because they experience something different. First of all, biblical based, but secondly, it's not, we're not just trying to sell something. And there's a lot of people out there just trying to sell something. So it's about the sale versus the content. What we're doing, this is a ministry. This is all about the content and the impact. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a money there's a money exchange because that's how we're able to fund the ministry in a large part. Create also those. our incredible yeah. donors that are helping too in the coffee and the app and all these things are very, very important. In fact, we have important fundraising goals that we have to hit in the next couple of months that are vital for this year's double impact initiative. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to share that because sometimes I think as a Christian we can wonder what is a course and is that valuable? And sometimes people have taken courses before or been part of bundles or whatever and they're like Oh, that content wasn't that great. I already knew that or blah, blah, blah. We don't get any of that feedback with it. So I just want you to know, and we have a 100% return policy on the Parenting Mentor Program if someone goes all the way through it. And I think out of several thousand people going through it, we maybe have had four or five, and they were actually not for the quality of content reasons. Mm -hmm. They were just for, you know, they disagreed about this or that or the husband didn't know about the purchase or things like that. Yeah. So, you know, you guys, when we were talking about topics like purity and and like Isaac was saying, um, having hard conversations, it's important that we as parents don't just like take a, take a, a break or a breather during those years of eight to 12, but instead we, we engage. It's like a boost. If there yeah. was a parenting boost button, it's like this is one of those transition boost buttons you need to push when your kids turn 8 to 12. You need to start digging in. You need to be really intentional in building your relationship and communication so that you can have these conversations with your kids. And we we talk about that you know, so much in the Parenting Mentor Program, but we take you through scripture through these sessions that is that's why we are able to say this is a biblically based parenting model. It's not opinion. It's not Isaac and Angie's like just sharing our experiences and what we think about things. No, like we're saying yes to the Titus two call as an older man and an older woman who've been married mm-hmm. and ra- been raising nine kids. And we're saying yes to that. And we're willing to throw ourselves under the bus and to talk about hard things that we've learned as parents. But it's more than that. It's about what God's word says to us about how we should be parenting. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that next parenting mentor program. You can find out about it at courageousparenting.com. Let's dive into discipleship. Um, So uh, obviously, you know, we'll do about five minutes, seven minutes on each of these. Okay. Uh, So discipleship is a big word. And I think sometimes I know for me, you know, coming to know, be a believer at 23. And then when I would hear hear the word discipleship, when I was a new believer, it's like, man, that's weighty. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know how to disciple people. Mm -hmm. Wow. What does your program look like? You know, and and, and a lot of times the word discipleship was also in terms of a program. Churches would talk about their discipleship program. And I think that's great. It's fantastic. But I just want you to know that I thought it was some weighty thing, some academic thing. And I think it's important that we don't make it so lofty that we don't do it. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Is discipleship is simply pointing people to Jesus 
and teaching them about God. And walking in a way where you can say, hey, follow me or do what I do or watch what I've done. And like that's discipleship. That's what Jesus did. He took the disciples who were, by the way, they were unqualified in every aspect of what would be qualified in many circles today as far as being able to be a pastor, right? Like there was no seminary. Mm -hmm. They were walking with Jesus. That's the best seminary there is. And guess what? When you read the Bible and you're dedicated to studying the word of God, you're walking with Jesus. You're learning from him, just like the disciples did in that sense. And so I just want to encourage you that if if we can disciple our kids, you can disciple your kids. If, you know, and I, I think that that's, really the heart of what we want to encourage you guys with today. Discipleship is actually also another session in the Parenting Mentor Program, but we want to share some verses with you yeah. today that are really important key verses that we think are essential for this 8 to 12-year-old age range to really like dig in with our kids and teach them. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I'm going to read a little more. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That's uh, three, five through eight in Proverbs. So good. I mean, think about what each of these verses would necessarily mean to a kid that's eight to 12 years old. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. How many kids are trying to prove themselves and trying to really... They're not trying to lean on their understanding, but they're having more of an independent spirit in a sense, and they're wanting to do things on their own and not always have mom and dad. Like if you were to talk to them about not leaning on just your own understanding, like I want you to be brave and to try new things, but if you get stuck on stuff, it shows maturity to mom and dad if you're humble enough to say, hey, can you help me with this? I'm stuck. And that's really important, like developing that relationship where your kids know that they can still come to you. It's not like you're just like going up, okay, now I'm done teaching you. But to develop a relationship of, hey, why don't you try that on your own? And I'll just be, I'll I'll be right here. I'm going to work on this. If you need help, you can just ask me. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your understanding. Taking that verse and teaching them what that looks like on a spiritual level. What does it mean to trust in the Lord and not lean on your own understanding? It means you're not going to go about choosing who your friends are based upon what's popular or what feels good or what you want. You're going to actually ask God and say, God, is there someone on this basketball team that you would like me to befriend? That's not leaning on your own understanding and just going, oh man, that kid, he hits three pointers all the time. I want to be his best friend. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like the eight-year-old to 12-year-old needs that like example. And that's just a simple way to make this scripture really come to life for them to go, hey, are you asking God about all the things in your life? Not leaning on your own understanding and what humans would would want to do, but asking God. I have just a quick message for pastors listening in, or if you want to share this with your pastor, is that I think that it's so important that to weave into sermons the exhortation to parents to disciple their children. And to be aware that when you provide programs, youth programs mm-hmm. and things like that, they can be good, but it, it creates a natural um, sense that my kids are being discipled, that my kids are being taken mm-hmm. care of. And God made the parents uh, and the kids together as a family for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the parents are the God-authorized, most important uh, authorities in their life mm-hmm. and have that close relationship and 
time together where, because discipleship can't only be an event. It has to be woven into the fabric of everyday life. Mm -hmm. And so if in a church, parents are not exhorted consistently, but there are programs to help but they're not exhorted consistently, what will happen is delegation will fall to just these events. Mm -hmm. And the parents aren't being equipped and exhorted and encouraged mm -hmm. to really disciple their children on an everyday basis. And that's what we're encouraging. That's what the Parenting Mentor Program is all about and encourages mm -hmm. is to disciple your children to make a way out of life. And we teach how to weave that into your everyday life mm -hmm. of all ages uh, as they're getting older and so While forth. While also being faithful and going to church regularly, which is important. Amen. Amen. Like showing, you know, we model as parents, we model our view of the bride of Christ to our kids. We yes. model to our kids what it looks like to be an active part of the body of Christ. This is an essential aspect to discipleship, which, you know, I think that a lot of times when people think of discipleship, they think that they need to know a lot of scripture and they need to be able to teach mm -hmm. and all these things. And while I think that that's something that all parents should be desiring to grow in doing with their kids, <laughs> discipleship is is also what your kids are watching you live out. Are you serving in your church? If you are, you are modeling for yeah. them being a part of the body of Christ. But here's the thing. Like, I know that if, as, as a young girl, my parents probably were in the Word a lot, but I didn't see them sitting and reading their Bible. And so as you grow up, if you don't see that modeled for you, you can make a lot of assumptions later in life thinking, oh, maybe they didn't read or whatever. But I know that isn't true because I see their faith today. And so th the truth is, is as parents, we need to like not be doing things for man's eyes, but also recognize that there is a power in our our authority that God has given us as parents to model for our kids what it looks like to be a Christian and to live as a Christian. And that goes into our daily spiritual disciplines as far as reading the Bible, praying to God, worshiping to God when we're doing even basic tasks like doing laundry. Let's talk about these things real quick. So you said three really good things right there. So the word of God. So ask yourself, how is the word of God um, spoken to life in my home? How is it? Where is the Bible is the, coming is to play? Important? Is it important? Yes. How often is it opened? Uh, how often mm -hmm. is a parent uh, sharing a verse with someone? How often is the Bible used when uh, the, the children need wisdom or they need correction or these kinds of things? Mm -hmm. Or is it just our own flesh in, in correcting and our I children think, and, and I, these kinds of things? Yeah. Or are we bringing in what God thinks and, and yeah. a verse about that to encourage our children to overcome getting angry at their sibling mm -hmm. and these kinds of things? Mm -hmm. Is it a tool? The Bible says mm -hmm. it's a tool for corrections, for teaching, for all these things, right? In Timothy. So Second Timothy, I believe. So mm -hmm. it's so important that we use it. It mm -hmm. is such an valuable tool. And you might be going, well, I don't know how to use it. It was never used with me. I've never seen that. And the first thing I'll say is don't let that be an excuse. That cannot be an excuse because none of us have seen it. I mean, maybe a few of us, but I don't know anybody. Okay. So it's really important that we don't embrace our excuses. Instead, we embrace the goal. And what's the goal? Mm -hmm. What's the purpose of parenting? It is to point them to Jesus, and our hope is that they become believers. And while mm -hmm. that's a mystery of God and salvation, and God does that, it also is an act of faith by the child. Mm -hmm. And we get to stir up and encourage that faith and hope that that happens. Mm -hmm. And so we have so much influence in it. Decides, so, so the Word of God, and what's the next thing you said? Worship. 
is worship music on? Is or do, do they, you only worship at church on Sunday? Yeah. Right? Are you so are you, are mm-hmm. your children into worship? Are they learning instruments and leading worship at home just with your family and doing that? That's something we're trying to do, and we've always tried to do. And it's mm-hmm. not easy to encourage kids in that direction and keep it going mm-hmm. and these kinds of things. But nothing good is ever easy. So if you're pursuing really good things. I promise you it's going to be hard. There are going to be hardships with at least one of the kids on that specific thing. And then there'll be different hardships with a different kid on a different aspect. And and I, I think that that's the thing that we need to recognize is that if we get into a habit of just saying no to things when they're hard and going, oh, well, maybe this is just not God's path for my kid. No, we would be saying no to everything. I would and stop so, teaching yeah. the Bible to my family in the morning. That's for sure. And if, you know what? If, if it was a matter of if, if it was, it was hard or not. Yes. Yeah, if it was easy, if I felt like everybody wanted me to do it, I would never do it. Because it does it never feels it never feels that yes. way. Yes. And so it's it's you're always there's resistance, right? And so spiritual leadership, any mm-hmm. aspect of it, whether you're encouraging worship or teaching the Bible or or you're you're talking about spiritual mm-hmm. things one on one with your children or um, you're worshiping the Lord, whatever it is, mm-hmm. praying your prayer life and praying together, not just a, the the same prayer every time before we eat dinner, but to actually have a prayer life and the kids are part of it and they have a prayer life and they're growing and praying to God and they're praying when nobody's looking and these kinds of things. That's real relationship with God. If you if your child has a real relationship with God, don't you think they're talking to God when no one's looking? So here's the thing. I think that when it comes down to it, we just need to be honest about what we're really sensing and seeing in our kids and not be so scared to call it out. Because the truth is, is you can sense if your child has been in communion with God. You can sense it. You know why? Because the fruit that comes out of them is completely different. Whether it's them having read the Bible, them having been in prayer, them having been worshiping or them currently worshiping, like you have worship music playing, you can tell the difference in an attitude of a child immediately. And if you can tell the difference in an attitude of a child, guess what? Your kids can tell the difference in you. And that's something that like I've been thinking about this concept of how our kids can bring out the best and the worst in us. And we need to be very humble and aware of that. I know that that, that's something that I'm constantly thinking about and convicted of is like, oh, wow. Why is it that sometimes your kids, especially the, the, the younger kids, well, actually it doesn't even matter. Any person that you are living with and in a close communal relationship with, they can push the buttons at times. And so how we respond is really, really important and we're going to mess up at times, but how we respond to our mess ups is even more important. And I, I, I just want to say that because that's part of discipleship, actually, mm-hmm. if you think about it, because we've said many times in the podcast episodes where we've talked about like how to handle life trials and when you're squeezed, what comes out of you? Like, I hope that if a Christian is sque- squeezed, Christ comes out of them. Well, let me just say parenting is not easy. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to learn something new and you're going into this new season of parenting, whether it's going into the eight to 12 years or you're going into 13 to 15 years old parent, you know, parenting kids that age, whatever it is, you're learning new things. Your kids are new, learning new things. And so there's a transition that's happening there. And I hope that God is coming out. I hope that God is visible mm. in your home, in your relationships, all throughout, sprinkled all throughout. And that it's not just flesh, 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 flesh. Because if it is, then discipleship's going to be really, really hard. And so if it is really hard, 
I would just ask you right now to humble yourself before the Lord and ask, why is this so hard, Lord? Would Mm. you show me and convict me about the things I need to change so that my kids respect me enough to hear me reading the Bible? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I also just want to share that this concept of like, children, right? Like in churches, you know, we've talked about Sunday school youth group programs and our opinion is that they can be additive. Absolutely. They can be additive. They can be a good positive thing that is helpful to parents who are purposefully discipling their children, but they are by no means meant to be a replacement or a delegation of parents just delegating spiritual growth over here and putting their kids in Sunday school and then not doing it. And I think every pastor would agree with that. Yes. I think the challenge is, is that you know, with all the things we're given sermons on and so forth, uh, we just have to remember to exhort and encourage parents yes. to disciple their children and to lead spiritually and to have those really good conversations. Yes. But what I want to say is, and this might be touchy for some pastors, and I want to, if, if there is a pastor that's listening, because I know we have a lot of pastors who listen, I want to ask you and your wife and, and your elder board a really important question. As a young, as a mom of kids going to a church, do your responses to kids maybe making a few noises during a sermon discourage that mom from being diligent in training her children to be able to sit and partake and participate in the gathering? Because we know that the Bible says, do not neglect the gathering as some have, as some. That is Hebrews 10, 25. This is something God is very, this is important to God. Mm -hmm. He does not want any of his people neglecting the gathering. And the truth is, is when we make people feel like they can't sit in the sermon message because their, their kid is fussing, even though they're doing their best to calm them down. Right. And, and I think that if a baby's like really crying, like, obviously I would take my child out and calm them down and then come back. But do you get the sense when you walk into church that your kids are not welcome to sit in the service? Why? Because if they cry, it's going to be embarrassing on the YouTube channel that's being recorded. Because if that is the motivation, if the motivation is behind the fact that you're being recorded and you don't want the audio messed up, the priorities are wrong. And Jesus touches on this when he rebukes the disciples in Luke 19. Luke, uh, Matthew 19, 14 Mm -hmm. says, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Jesus is such an amazing example mm-hmm. of how we are to be with children and to value children. And they are to be part of, of the body of Christ. And and part of the body of Christ means they need to be a part of the gathering. They can do Sunday school, but it should be additive to going to the gathering, actually. So I think the uh, important point is if children are going to Sunday class youth programs in place of the gathering, where adults are during the church meeting. We're discipling them in that. Right. Yeah. Then they never experience going to church, regular church, right? They launched their 18. Now what are they expected to do? Well, now you're not in the youth programs anymore, but you're in the with the adults. Well, I've never experienced that before. Mm-hmm. It could that be part of why 70 to 80% of kids in Christian homes leave the church by age 18? I think it's something to think about, and we need to be able to be in service together. We love our children worshiping the Lord together. I love knowing what they learned because we all learned it together. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about it on the way home. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I think that this is an important part of discipleship, right? Is that we would be taking our kids to church and that they would be participating in the, the most, the important elements that God's word says make up the gathering time, right? And, you know, as parents, this is also a time, this is the season eight to 12 when kids are starting to make their faith their own, Lord willing. And that discipleship aspect of viewing them as someone who can sit and and be learning and and all of that like this is this is huge in discipling them and helping to value their relationship acknowledging to your child that you see that they have a personal relationship with God that we're all worshiping him we're not mm-hmm. worried about what other people are thinking or sound, how they're sounding we're you know i i just think there's so many aspects to taking your kids to church that you know obviously we do that with all of our kids no matter their age but um, especially like even thinking about the eight to 12 year olds, if they're missing out on that, then there's a huge gap in the discipleship that is occurring if they're not participating in the church gathering. Um, because this is really where they're going to see people get baptized mm-hmm. and then they're going to start asking about baptism. They're going to start having questions about things. They're going to be watching people take communion. Then they're going to start asking about communion. Whereas I think that parents should be teaching their kids about those things anyway without their kids asking. But the truth is, is don't their experiences in life provoke them to ask questions at eight to 12 years old, hundred percent. And we got to be there to answer those in Acts 2, 38 through 41. It talks about baptism actually. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord, our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Mm -hmm. So those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3000 souls. And it doesn't say a certain age of when children are baptized right there. It does say, though, that this is for you and your children. And so for parents, like, we need to be careful. You know, I I keep rethinking. Every time we talk about discipleship, I keep thinking (laughs) about the warning that says it'd be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck than to lead one of these little ones into sin. And I think that there's an element there where if we are pushing a child away, like the disciples were trying to get the kids away from Jesus because they thought it was like a, a waste of his time they're or they're or a nuisance, right? Like we can't do that as parents. Be like, oh, no, no, no. You're not old enough to understand this. That not that actually putting God in a box? Because if we truly believe that God's the one who reveals himself to people by the power of his Holy Spirit, by the power of his Holy Spirit, he calls people. Wouldn't we be technically not believing that God could do that within a child if we're saying, oh, no, 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 you're not big enough to come to church service. You need to be in the nursery or in Sunday school. Like, I just think that there's this element where we as parents have to ask ourselves this question, what message are we saying to our kids if we're saying, no, you can't partake? Yeah, it can't be in the name of fun we engage the children. It needs to be in the name of Jesus we engage the children and we teach them what the Mm -hmm. Bible says. And I'm sure a lot of the programs do that, but sometimes, you know, we might be making children feel younger than they actually, actually are, are or, be could be, yes. or, or could be maturing. The potentiality 
of their spiritual maturity mm-hmm. could be faster potentially too. So yeah. I just see that in our own family. They're they're maturing very fast and I'm seeing something that's working. And I think it's parents engaged in the discipleship of their children and not excluding them. And not putting an age limit or age gap or age expectation on a kid to be able to experience God and to have questions and have understanding of, of deep spiritual significance. I think that as parents, we just need to, there. there's this element of like, believing God is bigger and and not putting God in a box that really truly what it is is quenching the spirit and so, all right we're gonna yeah. wrap up with equipping and it's so important as the the, mm-hmm. the kid our children are going to launch into a very different world the next one to four years are gonna be so much radical change it's gonna be a little chaotic actually I'm just gonna be honest it's yes. gonna be a little chaotic out in there in the world especially this year we're gonna do our next episode probably yeah. on because kind of what we see potentially happening this year and that was what, a fun podcast oh, oh, episode last year yeah you should go catch yes. it see if we were right about anything but <laughs> um but anyways yeah. you know just seeing what's trending and what's happening and then a biblical response to these things that's yeah. gonna be the next episode but they're gonna need to stand firm in a reality that's much different than our experience and so we need to be equipping them in a stronger way than ever before we need to be more intentional as parents than ever before we need to be more intentional towards uh the children from a church perspective than Mm -hmm. ever before Mm -hmm. and we need to prepare them we need to prepare them situationally Mm -hmm. and how to have an answer how to respond to things how to have an answer for gender confusion for example they need to have a true understanding a realistic perspective of the fallen world that we live in and also have hope for god to be able to set people free from bondage, right? Like there's this balance that as parents, we don't want to be so ho-hum, like negative, right? There needs to be, um, yes, this is the reality of the world that you're in. And so therefore I'm going to train you on these topics. But then there's also this, but guess what? Jesus, these the world needs Jesus because Jesus is the answer and he breaks people free from the bondage of sin. And he, he like, there's just this beautiful hope that we can fill our kids with that they then can be the light. And we have to teach them how to love other people well that don't know Jesus while standing firm in the faith. How do we do both of those in this world? That's going to be the hardest Mm -hmm. thing. They need to see us doing that in our relationships, standing firm in the faith, not wavering, not getting Mm -hmm. wayward for the sake of relationship, but standing firm while also having relationship while loving other people well. And that is so important that they see our example and we teach them how to do that Mm -hmm. as well. It is a fallen world and it's so important, more important than ever, that our children have a biblical worldview. And whether you want to hear this or not, it is on your shoulders. Yeah, it is. We're all going to experience um, God holding us accountable for things. And parents, I know that it's heavy to hear, it's heavy to think about, but we're the ones that are responsible for our own children. God chose you to be your child's parent. And you can do it. And you can do it. You can do it because you have God's help. You have his word. And Lord willing, through prayer and through your faithfulness, Hopefully there is a testimony kind of like Timothy's where, you know, someone older is saying, hey, don't forget what you were taught when you were a child. Go and lead others. Taught by your mom and your grandmother, actually, in that example. Yes. So I just think that there's there's so much encouragement in the word. Don't grow weary in doing good for in due season you will reap what you sow. 
Hey, thanks for listening and being a part of the 10 Million Legacies movement. Go to BeCourageousMinistry.org for more biblically-based resources, ways to switch where you spend your money that support the mission, and information about the incredible Be Courageous app community for believers. Also, we wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, we release a video session with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. This is an incredible self-paced program. We cover everything from tending to their hearts, handling obedience to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's a supportive community. You'll have access to our private group in the Be Courageous app, live webcasts, and direct access to us. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentor program, secure your spot now at BeCourageousMinistry.org. That's BeCourageousMinistry.org.